time on the Cutaways podcast. All right. Until next week. Till next week. We did not come back next week. (laughs) No, things happened. Things happened. What happened? A lot of things (laughs) happened. That's, that's, it's the thing, Ashley. Everybody wants to know what happened with us. And like, nothing happened with like our friendship or anything. I know some people were worried that like we broke up. Yeah. Everyone was deeply concerned about like us like murdering each other or something. Which would never, ever happen. Not like directly. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you want me to go first? Before we get into what happened. Suspense. Like, like it's super dramatic now. (laughs) Now I'm just playing out. Um, Dun, dun, dun. I want to give shout outs. Oh, yeah. Give the shout outs. I've I've, I've compiled a list. And and if you're listening and you're not on this list and you're like, ah. Send us a tweet. Send us a tweet. We'll retweet you with lots of love because seriously, I'm just. With an angry gif. Yeah. But make it a funny angry gif. (laughs) We need the laughs. Yeah, we we had some great, great support from our, our friends. On the Twitter. On the Twitter and, uh, and the Facebook. And the Instagram. And the Insta. So quickly, I want to say thank you and we love you to Justin, Jaslyn, Peter, Nicole, Sarah, Jackie, Katie, Leah, Jen, Liz, Heather, Amy, Kara, Ginny, Bridget. Oh, you got through it. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> And, you know, just everybody else that I forgot to write down. I'm sorry, but we love you, too. And Sam. I'll thank Sam. Sam. (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel like I should because he's been dealing with a lot of my crazy shit Mm -hmm. right now. Because I've literally gone off the deep end, guys. I went off the deep end. I came back, though. Yeah, you're coming back. I'm still in deep end, like, with sharks and octopuses. Or is it octopi? Octopi. Octopi. And maybe small children are looking at me from this giant tank. Mm-hmm. Tapping the glass. Of sadness. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I envisioned my sadness as a giant aquarium where everyone can stare, point, and laugh. Yeah. I like to um, sum it up by saying Ashley and I both lost someone in our lives. And, you know, there's a, there's a fair bit of sadness. Mm-hmm. Morning. Morning is happening. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you're you're getting better. Yes. I don't know if I will ever get better. You'll, I mean, here's the thing. When you lose someone, it's just like you have that feeling, but you just deal with it. Yes. I didn't, never really touched upon it on the po- on our podcast. I did talk about it a little bit on Movie Geek Podcast because I was trying to make Justin feel bad, which I'm sorry, <laughs> Justin. Well, even we talked somewhat vaguely on, on Peter's podcast. On yes, the- yes. And and I know he had like reached out private message wise and was really checking in on everything, so that was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so for me, I left. Uh, as most people know, Kara kind of stepped in for me, and uh, my grandmother had went into the ICU two days before my birthday. I think it was. Well, that was when I went and visited. She was intubated and on machines for about eight and a half weeks. It might have been longer. I might have just those weeks kind of blend um, when you're dealing with that. And she um, made the decision not too long. It was about a month ago to um, be taken off of life support. And so I went and hung out with my family through all of that. Um, We were able to talk to her and see her before she left um, and went to wherever it is her train took her. And 
it was good. It was good to know that, and I think this helps a lot, knowing that she got to make the decision mm -hmm. and that she got to talk to us. Mm -hmm. um, it was extremely difficult because she was a very big part of the foundation that I have um, to kind of deal with things. So it's it's hard. And it was hard even before this because she's been six for God knows how long when she just always got better. Mm -hmm. Grief is this weird thing where you don't know what how you're going to respond to it because you're going to respond to everything differently for every person. And you're going to respond to loss differently for every thing, mm -hmm. I think. Well, it's also it was also difficult because, I mean, Sam could only be there for part of it because he couldn't take off any more work and I had to give up work to go through all of this and I'm still unemployed so it's like I still have to deal with the reper rep uh, what is it called repercussions repercussions of everything so it's like what do I do now I think it's good because you're kind of letting me deal with it on the podcast today too yeah so I think that's a good transition back into recording again yeah, I definitely, I also have needed to get some normal back into my life where I joke with my friends being like, my whole life completely changed this year. <laughs> 2017, year of changes. Year of changes. I don't, I don't want to talk too much about my personal stuff on the podcast. Yeah, no, that's, I'm not. Yeah, yeah. Say, I'm saying that this is more, it's cathartic, I guess, for me. I'm, I've, I haven't really wanted to talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm kind of forcing myself to face face the music, as it were. The one thing I did want to mention is that, like, since we're, like, a relationship-style podcast, I just want to throw out that I'm single now. <laughs> hey! No. Um, <laughs> single, ready, ready to mingle. <laughs> Not quite ready. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk too detailed about it, but it's... Uh... Uh, a lot of things happened. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. It happened, and now you get to move on. Yep, and uh, that'll be my new brand of whatever we're talking about uh, on romantic comedies is coming from that angle From now. the single lens. Yep. So, yeah, everything's changing, and the podcast is going to change a little bit. A little bit. Not, not our content. No. Our content isn't going to change. We are going to change a little bit how we schedule things. Because mm -hmm. um, we realize now that people want us on their podcast, it's very difficult for us to maintain our schedule. Yeah. As as our podcast has kind of gotten bigger, I guess. Or we have gotten bigger in the podcast community. That's a better way of saying it. Yeah. So we want to kind of accommodate everyone who wants us to be a guest and then accommodate our own personal lives yes because they have changed also because justine now has a full-time job yeah we're not we're not we're not doing weekly episodes anymore no because editing takes a long time and it it requires a fair amount of more than a day of work <laughs> yeah i know i know some people <laughs> here we go <laughs> we we edit our podcast because we, 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 we are editors. We are editors and we like psychologically need to. <laughs> we will go crazy if we don't. Y you will go crazy if we don't. And also that's the always been our intention from the beginning. So yeah. the way that we 
record the podcast always has the intention of of shifting things around a little bit or making things a little bit more coherent because Ashley likes to repeat herself. She does. I like her. (laughs) She's fine. We'll keep her in this podcast. Don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) But sometimes like when I go into a rant, those rants get cut down because one, I don't want to reveal everything. And two, I sometimes I don't get to the point fast enough. Mm -hmm. And that is an editor that bothers me. Yeah. I've already edited all this down. Yep. <laughs> she has. Yeah. So that's just uh, that's just our workflow. That's the way we do things. Trying to give you guys the best show ever. Yes. And this will give us a chance to not feel pressured, mm-hmm. I think. No, nope, we're going to have guests again because yes. so many of our friends are just like... Well, that's what's been changing, too, is our equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Upgrade. Poop, poop. <laughs> Justine got a tax return yeah. that didn't go straight to her savings for a house like mine did. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I going to live with? <laughs> Everything is kind of coming up cutaways. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way I like it. Yeah. Hey, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutaways podcast. Oh, I see. You know, they missed that part. See? Yep, yep. I'm Justine. <laughs> And I'm Ashley. Yay! And we're back. Yeah. Well, here in our podcast, you know what we do. We're watching romantic comedies in chronological order. But today we're doing a special day. We're doing a special back from hiatus deviation in honor of uh, Ashley. Yeah. So today we're watching 1952's Singing in the Rain. Now, I had texted you about adding this as a flashback. In December? In December, when um, after Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds passed away. That was more as a honoring them. Mm-hmm. But now it's more, it's it's to honor my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very big into musicals. And this is where I get my musical obsession from. Justine gets it from New York. I get it from the Muni, which is a St. Louis auditorium. My grandmother had season tickets. We would go, it was an outdoor theater but this is one of the first ones that we saw on stage together. She would get season tickets every year. So it was always, which grandkid can I take to this one? Mm. So um, I got Singing in the Rain one year. And I really thought this would be a good way of dealing with things, yet not dealing with things. <laughs> <laughs> so the DVD.com description <laughs> that we love so much First Singing in the Rain is Gene Kelly, Debbie Reynolds, and Donald O'Connor combine their talents in one of the greatest big screen musicals ever made. A two-time Oscar nominee that includes the songs Good Morning, Make Em Laugh, and the iconic title tune Singing in the Rain. When Hollywood attempts the transition from silent films to talkies, a matinee idol, Kelly, hopes to make the cut. But he's hampered by a silent movie queen, Jean Hagen, with a voice like fingernails on a blackboard. Ooh. Well, it was a thing. So if you, if you never were in a film class ever, uh, talkies are what they first started calling motion pictures when they started adding sound and people actually could talk. How long was silent film? Was it about 50 years? No. Um, the first talkie was in 27, I think, right? With the, the jazz singer. Oh, okay. Like so that. it would have been about... 20-ish years 
Yeah, depending on <laughs> why am I always like depending on what your definition of uh, the first cinema is? If you you know, yeah, oh, I'm such a nerd. <laughs> you know, the first uh, motion pictures were really like gifts. Well, that's where they started the idea mm-hmm. of motion pictures. Movies are not this straightforward kind of always existing in this space. They are individual pictures moving at a certain rate. What we call frame rate. <laughs> Welcome to film school with Justine and Ashley. Wow. Have you seen this movie, Justine? I have seen the whole thing once. In film school? No. I've oh. seen parts of it in film school and then on my own I watched the whole thing once and that was sometime in the past ten years. Yeah. This movie stars Gene Kelly, who we previously saw in On the Town, and he was also the director of Hello Dolly. <laughs> That's how I'm always going to say it. I know. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> it also stars Donald O'Connor and Debbie Reynolds, who, as you may not know, was the mother of Carrie Fisher. The director, who I am so excited to say directed this movie, is Stanley Donan. Yay! Who also directed Bedazzled, Charade, Kiss Them For Me, and On The Town, which we previously saw. Gene Kelly was also credited as a co-director. Mm-hmm. This was edited by Adrienne Fazen. I there was a bit of trivia on her Ooh. IMDb page. American editor in films from 1933 and long at MGM. She was helped early in her career by the director Dorothy Arzner, who promoted her from the short film department to feature films at a time when the business of film cutting was male dominated. It's really cool that in a time period where it was mostly men that the, a woman would be pushed into this type of role. We need to get back to that. When did it shift? Because it, it used to be that women were heavily editors. Like, that's how it started yeah, as a I sweatshop. Know. I wonder when it shifted. I'm not sure, but women helping women. Do you oh. think it was because cause editing didn't always used to be a major award in the Academy Awards? Do you think it shifted because men were like, oh, we can get notoriety for this shit? Let's take it? Possibly. Or was it more of a creative, only men can have creative ideas? I don't know. First, it was regarded like sewing. Mm-hmm. So they're just like stitched together, this, you know, pieces of film, women's work. Yes. <laughs> but then like, they're like, hey, it's creative. So maybe that did come with, you know, awards because it is a creative thing. <laughs> I'll have to look it up. Um, the uncredited montage editor was Peter Balbush. I like that they had a montage editor. And that's like all he did for really? his career. Edited montages. That sounds like your favorite job. <laughs> I was, how did you know I thought? I was like, oh, <laughs> this is not a thing anymore, but wow. let's make it a thing. <laughs> that's for <me>. Justine. <laughs> if you don't know, Justine loves montages. She uh, loves a good montage. <laughs> I do. She loves adding montages to movies that might not necessarily automatically call for a montage, too. You know, I've edited some good montages in my day. You have? Yes. yes. If, if, like, if my reel were... <laughs> <laughs> if that was appropriate for my reel to just be all my montages... That's what it would be. That's what it would be. But it's not. It's not appropriate. I think it is. If they had those montage jobs. Yep. <laughs> The uncredited assistant editor was Edgar Hartzik. I think that's how you say your name. I'm sorry if I mispronounced it. If you are still with us. He's probably dead. (laughs) 
<laughs> the supervising editor, who is also uncredited, was William Levanway. The movie itself is rated G, probably after the fact, because um, the MPA didn't exist yet. Yeah. Yeah, this is rated G on DVD.com. On DVD.com, a Netflix company. The movie itself has a runtime of one hour and 43 minutes, so it's a bit long. And it's rated four stars on DVD.com, which seems low. Uh, Maybe get the audience opinion on this, because they know how we rate films. Yes. Netflix, not DVD.com. Netflix itself has changed its whole, like, which is system, where it's just, like, thumbs up or thumbs down instead of the stars. Because, you know, people cannot be trusted with more than one choice. I'm like, it seems, I'm like, is this a thumbs up? Is it a thumbs down? It's not as accurate. Like, it's not going to help their algorithm out. It's going to give me stuff that I don't want to, like, I like something similar. So they're going to be like, hey, look, you might like this. And it's not going to be accurate at all to my tastes. So I think we're just going to stick with the DVD.com. We're going with rated. We're doing it how we're doing it. Netflix (laughs) doesn't. Netflix (laughs) hates us, okay? (laughs) This is the longest intro we've ever recorded. Yeah, it is. But we had a lot of stuff to cover. Yeah. I've got some awards, right? I've got it here. Oh, okay. Uh, this film was nominated for a BAFTA. Best film from any source, USA. <laughs> okay. It was nominated for Golden Globes for Best Motion Picture, Comedy or Musical. It was nominated for a Best Music Scoring. Uh, this won a Golden Globe for Best Actor, Donald O'Connor. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, nominated for an Oscar, Best Actress, Gene Hagen. It was nominated for an Oscar for Best Music Scoring for Lenny Hayton. Yes. I'm excited. It's been a while since I've seen it, and I Same. feel like I'm going to cry. Okay. Let's go watch it. Let's go watch. And we're back. Back again. Da, da, da. Back in black. <laughs> I don't know. Cutaway's back. Tell a friend. I'm singing, singing in the rain. Is uh, is singing in the rain the the song that is stuck in your head after you're finished watching this movie, or is there a different song that's stuck in your head? Mostly mine is Good Morning. Me too. (laughs) Like Good Morning. Morning. It's catchier, right? Morning. Like you would think. Title song would it be like the biggest of the the biggest number of of this, but it's not. It's make them laugh and and uh, good morning. Yeah, but I mean, but singing in the rain for for Gene Kelly is like forever. That's his iconic image. Oh yeah, and and, and as it should be. And he crafted that for himself because it was supposed to be a number for all three of them. And he's, he's like, like fuck no, you. It's better for my character. Yeah, it's a character piece. Yeah, I got guys, this, guys, <clears throat> guys, guys. I'm gonna dance. In the rain. In the rain. With 105 fever. Yeah. And then almost die. Everybody almost died making this movie. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's how people used to make movies. What, what did Debbie Reynolds say? That making, oh, yes. making singing in the rain and childbirth are the most... Are the two hardest th- things th- she's th- ever done. Yeah, the two hardest things she's ever done. Like, well. Yeah. And uh, they got a good product, I think. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's catchy. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Yeah. I really like how nerdy it is. Oh, my God. Because it's pretty, like, historically accurate. In the terms of Hollywood, yes. Yes. And yeah. I really like that. It really, like, makes my, my nerd sense tingle. Yes. Well, you know Hollywood is always loving to, to love Hollywood. 
<laughs> Got singing in the rain. Got fucking La La Land. <laughs> Fuck you, La La Land. Uh, so you've seen La La Land. I'm like on the fence of ever seeing it because I'm like, this movie looks dumb. I mean, I love musicals too. It just, yes. it's like you, you give, it's like what we were talking about on Twitter the other day. It's like you have Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. in a role about jazz when you have John Legend standing right fucking next to him. Yeah. Like why? So John Legend can be the villain in the movie. <laughs> but, but why, why, why do white people have to save jazz? First of all. I don't know. Ask the director. He made the whiplash and then he's like, you know, this is my one thing. No. So white people had to save rock and roll and then they had to save jazz? Uh, I don't know. This is, I, I haven't know. seen Whiplash either, so maybe oh. I just have to avoid this man forever. You know, Whiplash had really good editing. I was told that. <laughs> and J.K. Simmons is in it. Yeah. But the man that you hate is also yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. little face puncher. What's his name? <laughs> Miles Teller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm, I don't... Every time we see, like, a movie poster for him justine wants to smack it i just want to punch him in his face because his face has got that look like eh. well he always looks like he's either just farted <laughs> or is in the process of taking a shit <laughs> just looks really smug he okay. just looks really smug and also really uncomfortable and like he needs to empty his colon <laughs> okay thinking he knows better <laughs> Stupid Miles Teller. <laughs> Sorry, Miles Teller. You listen Sorry. to this ever. <laughs> like, he was terrible in Divergent. Oh, he was. Absolutely terrible. What else? And they added there? more of his character in the last one. In the yeah. Divergent. Well, that's because they're, tr- they're trying to make it a TV series now right. or whatever. Dude, I, I can't even remember Allegiant, but I know that it was vastly different from the book. <laughs> And I, I can't even it. remember the book because it was so bad. <laughs> I just like how I was reading it when I I lived with you. And I was just giggling over your shoulder. Well, I'm like on my iPad and you're just like, I should take a time lapse of you because you just get progressively more angry as you turn the picture. Oh, yeah. I was very angry that I didn't know whose perspective I was understanding or reading. But anyway, we're supposed to be talking about singing in the rain. Yeah, not like media that we consume. <laughs> consume and dislike immediately. Because we really liked this movie. Yeah. Everyone wants to pay homage to this movie. Yeah. Because they did it in Hail Caesar... With Channing Tatum's character, who was supposed to be, like, an evil Gene Kelly. You mean Gene Kelly was evil, right? Well, I mean, he was a dick, but we don't know if it was inherently evil. Mm. Like, you can be a dick, but also be, like, a decent human being. I haven't watched Hail Caesar yet. It's in my queue, but I haven't been watching it's boring. stuff in my queue. I hated it. Really? Me and Sam watched it while we were in Scotland. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about Gene Kelly a lot previously in, like, what, the four other movies that he's done that we've watched or whatever. Yes. To what is, what is your opinion of Gene Kelly, Justine? You know, he's a fantastic artist. He's amazing to watch. Like, I love dance. Like, mm-hmm. I did dance when I was younger. My sister did tap since she was, like, six years old. And it's just something beautiful that we don't ever see, like, ever. any anymore. I mean, we've got, like, Dancing with the Stars, but everything's so, like, commercialized now. It's 
It's not the same. I would like Channing Tatum to step up and fill that void. Because I feel like he could. Step up to the streets? Yeah. <laughs> step up to the podium. I mean, like, when you watch when you watch somebody who can really express themselves through their body movement, it's somewhat enchanting because they don't have to vocalize anything. Mm-hmm. You really, you feel and understand what they're they're encapsulating. Yeah, and just his face the whole time. Yeah. It just looked like he was having so much fun and just... Yes. He was in it and loving it. And we were there with him. Yes. Well, and even even like the the comedic moments mm-hmm. aspect of it, you he utilized his dance background mm-hmm. in the way that he would move, like his flourishes when he was the French guy mm-hmm. in the the movie, the movie that they're filming. Yeah, yeah. We've talked about him before and how he's a crazy egomaniac, and yeah. nobody ever works with him after they work with him once. <laughs> So Orson Welles was a major dick and nobody ever wanted to work with him again. And also studios took movies away from him so he would just stop editing. But they make beautiful art. But they make beautiful art. So it's like that weird ego in everything. Yeah. But I mean, that's what we have the great artists for. And I mean, and we were saying we were we we're talking amongst ourselves of as we often do. Who is the such and such and such of the day? Yes. So who is the Gene Kelly of today? He's not, but I want Channing Tatum to be. <laughs> I don't care. I love the way that he uses dance. I don't care that he started as a stripper. That doesn't matter to me. And that's I think what the the spirit of Gene Kelly would embody. That it mm-hmm. doesn't matter where you start dancing as long as you're expressing yourself through your your movement and you are having fun doing it so like that was the thing that gene kelly was always all about so i was like oh it would be a cool fucking story if that became like channing tatum's thing well i came up with Lin-Manuel miranda not he, just because i'm obsessed with him but he he does have that ability to be all the things right and it's not that he he's not a choreographer he can move Yes. But, like, I would equate it to, like, his writing. And yes. To his performing and writing. I can see that. I like movies about Hollywood. I think we all do. <laughs> That's why they make them so much. Mm-hmm. Which is why I should have liked La La Land, right? Yeah, but see, like you were saying, there is a difference between homage and stealing. Yeah. There are certain Hollywood stories I'm tired of hearing, and it's like the newcomer trying to break through kind of story Mm -hmm. was this movie about breaking into hollywood though which one singing in the rain yes kind of parts of it were but it wasn't the quote-unquote the girl being the barista like she was an actress and she was trying to continue to act she wasn't just doing waitress work yeah and then was discovered yeah why are they always waitresses too that's my question why is it always like they're in the service industry. But is it like the lowest of the low going to the, like, story-wise? Why yeah, would you... Because you're serving people and then... and People then... start serving you. Yeah. Tired and old. Like, I want to see stories about, like, that Hilary Duff movie. <laughs> okay. Where she wants to be a singer. Like, she, it's the, it's like Sing Out or something like that. And she's in school and she's very passionate about singing and she keeps getting all these pitfalls and everything, but she's very passionate about it. So her passion drives her 
to succeed. Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we have movies like that? Like Funny Girl? Like Funny Girl. Like Funny Girl. <laughs> the job doesn't define the character or the person. It's more of the passion behind it, the actual emotion behind everything. Because that I find more interesting than somebody trying to define themselves by their job. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, being a barista or whatever and then achieving your dreams shouldn't, it shouldn't be the main focal point. Like, oh, I just, I hate being a barista. It's like, well, yeah, it pays the bills until you, while you're also doing all these other things. Like, like Coyote Ugly. Mm. When she became a barmaid at the Coyote Ugly, she didn't become that caricature of herself. Like, I just feel like having the job be the focal point of everything makes it caricature. It doesn't make them real people. She got the job at Coyote Ugly because she saw how much money they were making. And she's like, yes, money I need. (laughs) Yes, but the money to pay for the things that she needed to help inform her passion. Because she couldn't submit a a tape. Yes. They were like, we need a CD. We need a CD. The highest technology of the day. 2000. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That lasted for like five years and then it was... (laughs) (laughs) Another thing about interesting stories, side note, is the progression of of gaining knowledge. It's not being the master already or just being overlooked or, or something like that. It's, hey, I'm going to better myself through education or through getting a mentor or through just delving deeper into the mechanics of everything. And that's where you get a montage. That's where you get a montage. <laughs> <laughs> Because that's something that we as a, as people is universal, is that search for knowledge or search to better ourselves through advancement or through anything, unless you're lazy. But you still have that drive. Like most people still, they want something, but they still have to find ways of getting better. At least the people that are interesting, I guess I should say. Because I guess not everybody has that drive. Like There's the distinction that you have to know everything, mm-hmm. especially especially in our industry a little bit. Everybody wants somebody that has a certain amount of experience and that experience should inform you on your knowledge level, especially like on the software or the creative side. But when you think about it, people still get into the industry that they have no idea what a multi-group is. They have no idea what, what Avid is or they have no idea what patching is is in a machine room or even what a machine room is there for or even you don't even have to know the the detailed intricacies of it like we were talking they were talking about this yesterday at the panel we went to which was about vfx like you don't have to know the mechanics or the technical stuff of every single thing Mm -hmm. you just need to know the language and what those those things are in the existence of the workflow or the the hierarchy in the in the edit room or, or something like that. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. People don't know what offline versus online editing is in our world and that drives me batshit crazy. Oh my god, that makes me shudder. <laughs> I mean, I I was lucky and you were lucky too cuz you had basically the same education I did cuz we went to the same school. Hey. <laughs> but we were lucky in the fact that our school was very hands-on in in teaching. Like you you had the theory classes but you didn't have 
the huge amount of them. Mm-hmm. Like you, you got those with the technical side of things. And, and since we were both TAs, we also got the behind the scenes stuff where we had to actually help students figure out their technical mistakes. So we also got the added bonus of learning through teaching, mm-hmm. which is it's another thing that a lot of people don't factor in mentorship when they get out of school and they're like, okay, I'm uh, the best editor ever now. There's nothing else I have to learn. Oh, fuck. What's Avid? <laughs> what is this? Avid's beautiful. Avid's too complicated. Why do I have to learn this? Like, Sigh. You have to learn it because it's, the, it's, it's a big industry standard, but you also still have to know it's not just the software, I guess is what I'm trying, I'm trying to get at. You need to know uh, what drives you behind that it's not just i'm gonna sit here for t- uh, 10 or 12 hours a day mm-hmm. pushing buttons it's what what passion or what what lives behind just pushing those buttons what are, what are you trying to achieve because everybody is still trying to move forward in something so those are the type of stories that i find interesting is what what specifically are these characters doing to push themselves forward whether it be in their relationship, whether it be in their lives, whether it be in their career, whether it be just trying to get through a day. Like, what is it that exists behind that need or that want or that desire? What what informs that character? You want to see the passion. I want to see the passion. I want, But I want to see real people. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing is real people have that passion that drive that, that bit um, this also reminds we just watched uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Volume Two, which you thought it was, I loved it. You loved it. I thought it was good. I thought it was as good as the first one, if not better. There's Ooh. there's problems that I have with it. Yeah, but I think I need a second viewing of it because I've seen the first one so many so many times. I also need a second second viewing of it to kind of determine what it is, but. I really liked the setup of everything. The pacing was pretty good. There were a few times where I'm like, oh, we can lose some of this. Oh, oh, I had some pacing problems and a lot we could lose. A lot. Stallone. <laughs> well, he's set up for the next movie. That's all that it is. God, I hate that. You know I hate that. I know you hate it, but it's a comic book thing. Like oh, things, I hate it. They do that. They tease you a character and then they throw it in and that's the major character of the next thing. That's <sighs> like the Adam at the end as well. It's just... It is a comic book movie, so you kind of have to play towards the comic book genre, which includes that. That doesn't mean that you can't put your own unique spin on it, mm-hmm. but Marvel is going to be sitting there like, mm, we need to link these movies together, guys. So many. You know, but the thing with the the why, I had a lot of, mostly, I loved a lot of the movie. It's just the uh, Peter Quill's character was a little lost on me. I can see that. First of all, I don't think he was in it a whole lot, and then a lot of the times I'm just like a lot of a lot of why 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 this now. The reason I liked this movie mm-hmm. was because of Gamora. Oh yeah, I really liked the Gamora. There was such a bigger expansion of her character, mm-hmm. and she was the forefront of this movie more so than I thought Peter Quill was. Yeah, which I liked because. I was like, oh, we're going to do, we're going to analyze the sister relationship. You go, 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 James Gunn. I love you. Do this more. <laughs> like, I loved that dynamic because freaking Zoe Saldana and um, Amy Pond are great actresses. <laughs> I know that's not her name, but 
it's just what came to mind, okay? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Again, what I'm saying is great characters have context. <laughs> so, and, and that's what I think James Gunn did very well. That's what I think Joss Whedon does to a degree that is unworldly. If Joss Whedon had made uh, Guardians 2, I know at least two of the characters would, would have, have died. died. <laughs> yeah. Like, two more. The difference was that James Gunn handled the the Marvel misogyning or putting in these little tidbits to inform the rest of the universe or con connect movies. Mm -hmm. I think James Gunn handled it a little bit better than Joss Whedon did. But then again, Joss Whedon was just pissed <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Because he didn't want to add a, like that Thor flashback or whatever yeah. and, and that kind of stuff. Joss me and Joss are on the same wavelength. <laughs> I know. It's it's not needed. It's not needed, but I understand from a marketing standpoint yeah. or from a studio standpoint that you need to do that. Cause it's part of it's part of the, the book genre where that's how they sell more comic books. It's just like how Buffy sells more comic books by making it intertwined with Angel and Faith more. <sighs> or know. or stuff like that. It's not necessarily the greatest thing story-wise, but I get why they do it. I am with you. There's a lot of things that can go wrong with comic book movies. I think you have to take the, the source material as it is and then kind of adapt go your own it. way. Yeah, adapt. It's like paying homage. Mm -hmm. It's bringing something new to the source material. See, I was going to say, now what does La La Land and comic book movies have to do with Singing in the Rain? And there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I knew we were going to... I was gonna, Circle back, circle yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. Keep going. But like, that's the thing is is when you overtly rip off a comic book movie or a comic book, put that automatically on a screen as a movie. It doesn't work. No. It absolutely doesn't work. Watchmen. Watchmen, oh my god. Watchmen is like a page for page like adaptation Station. to the screen. Well, that's because... Oh, here it comes. That's because Zachary Schneider doesn't know how to bring anything new to anything. <laughs> Why I chose to go see Watchmen and then also agreed to go see Sucker Punch with my boyfriend at the time, I will never know. And I will hate him dearly for all of those experiences. But because <laughs> I hated both. I hate Zachary Schneider. I'm sorry. I will come out and I will confess to that straight up. I can't stand him. I have not watched a single one of his movies since then. Again, going back to knowing the difference between homage and complete adaptation or ripping off, as we like to say. Mm-hmm. Recreation, that's a better word. Because mm. adaptation can be cons can be yeah, thrown can, into can homage. Good, you can be a radaptation, hey! <laughs> <laughs> but it's lazy. It's so lazy yeah. to not add your own creative spin on it. Because exactly. movies, filmmaking is a completely different art than making a comic book. Yeah, and especially something with like La La Land where they are paying homage to all these old Hollywood movies of the past. But what is it saying about Hollywood now? What is it what does it yes. say about now? I'm like that's like the part I was like missing. Also, why do white people have to save Jess? That is still <laughs> my number. If someone can answer that question, I will probably watch La La Land and be like, "Okay, I can see where you got that information from." But why do white people need to save Jess? Yeah, it's been like half an hour and we haven't talked about... 
We've talked about singing in the rain. Okay. If you're going to pay a respect or homage to Hollywood history, I think it does it so well because it's not the central focus of the story. It's just background filler. Mm -hmm. And then you also have these characters that are well-informed and just experiencing that time period. Yeah. That's good. You want to get into the plot details? Yes, please. They start out at the Chinese theater. In Hollywood, California. Every time they shot like the, the reverse, like across the street, I was like, there's a American apparel there. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, hey, where's that, that Wetzel's pretzels? I didn't realize it was the Chinese theater until I saw the sign light up. I'm like, oh, right. Uh, my bust, like I stood across from the Chinese theater yeah. like so long I can recognize the shape of that building. I avoid Hollywood Boulevard. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood is not all glitz and glamour, guys. No, it's all dirty. Dirty and stars and angry people. Lots and of tourists and people costumes. trying to get the money of tourists. Yes. So at the Chinese theater, there's a film premiere. Of course, it's 1927, as we called it in our intro, because that's when talkies... I mean, the jazz singer wasn't the first talkie. It's the most famous. It's the most famous and it was the most successful. Yes. You don't need to go to film school. Just watch Singing in the Rain. Teaches you well. I mean, when we were learning about sync sound, they played that scene, that yeah. whole scene about informing you of what sync sound was and all the different like minutia yeah. of everything. Yeah, I taught. Well, I taught sync sound in production too in the lab. There you go. And you played singing in the rain. No, no, no. Here's what I did. Of course, you're gonna love this. I did a pun. <laughs> I did uh, a visual of a sink with running water. It was sink sound. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Sam that's, will love that. That's Justine as a teacher. <laughs> uh, See, my husband will love that because he loves puns. You guys can make all the dad jokes you want. That's what I together. do all day. That's what they pay me for. They pay you for the puns? Yeah. And to cover up boobs. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So the stars are arriving at the premiere, Dawn and Lena. That's our Gene Kelly and um, what's her face? What Arlene Sorkin bases her Harley Quinn accent off of? Gene oh. Hagen. Gene Hagen. Who talks like this. Who talks like she's from the Upper East Side of New York and she just needs to have some love in her life. I can't stand him. I can't stand him. Um, but are there wedding bells soon between Dawn and Lena? Which Don's like, hell no. But he doesn't say that to the press, of course. Yeah. But that's what he's thinking. And so the press is like, tell me your life story. Which, uh, I don't know if we need his life story. It's fun. It's interesting to watch. But nowadays, we don't need all these flashbacks. No, I did like the aspect of, I learned all these things from mom and dad. And it's like two kids on the street by themselves. Yeah, he's dignity, dignity. Dignity, dignity. Yeah. And it was just. He was lying about his past, which well, is great. Yeah, and it never comes back. So it's like it's not needed too much to yeah. inform the character. But I it, like the aspect of it. It just shows how he has struggled and persevered. And it's just him as a working class guy yes. with his best buddy striving, you know, through vaudeville and all the changes, you know, that Hollywood has gone through just to become this big star. Mm hmm. I mean, you could. I feel like nowadays they would have like just a candid moment with him and like the the female later on in the movie and him opening up. You're like, I haven't had it always so easy, you know. Yeah, I was tap dancing for pennies on the sidewalk, you know. 
or like the, him and Cosmo would have a fight. Yeah. And then she would come and be like, why are you like, you two love each other? What? Like, don't you remember the good old days with him at your side and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And yeah. That's how it would work. So they get their job in Hollywood. Okay. So <laughs> if you think this is how Hollywood works now. It ain't. It's not. But it is what it, it is. How it worked then. Yes, you would just show up at the front door and be like, "Hello, I'm here for work." And then they would be like, "Give you a job sweeping." And then all of a sudden, you would, you know, you could work your way up. Yeah. To be like a stuntman or something. There is not really a work your way up nowadays. There is and there isn't. Mm. It's it's super hard. I'm not gonna lie about that. Yeah, and there's no just showing up with your resume at the front door. No. There's very, very little of that left over. Yeah. There are people who stay in roles that they should have advanced from long ago because they can't find somebody who will give them a shot because yeah. they don't necessarily have the experience of whatever. And plus people, they say it's all, it's all in who you know. Which is true because people are just like hiring their friends. It's all in who you know, but it's also knowing the right people. Yeah. We talked about it in the assistant editor panel where you need to surround yourself with people who work in what you want to do. Like you need to surround yourself if you want to work in scripted. You need to surround yourself with assistant editors who work in scripted. And you need to surround yourself with actual editors who work in scripted so that you have that buffer like when you want to work on features you want to be friends with lots of first assistant editors because they're the ones who are going to pull you on as a second or a third or even as a PA but in this story Don and Cosmo are on set doing mood music yeah it's what they would use to during the silent film era they would play music in the vein of what they were going to be performing in the theaters so that the actors could convey similar emotions. Yeah. And, you know, the director would just be shouting at them, like, go here, go there. They, they, you can make all the noise you want if it's silent. Well, and I loved when they were going through the soundstage and they yeah. were panning through and they were filming eight different movies at once. All in the same stage all right next to each stage. other. Yeah. Which would not happen. Could It'd be impossible. You can't do that. Unless you had complete and utter soundproof walls in between it would not happen no and i mean like stuff with even like um lighting fill and glare and all that stuff yeah. you can't mm -mm. when you look and you think about it it would be virtually impossible for studios today to do the amount of work that they did back then yeah plus like illegal i don't know Things with, like... Safety restrictions yeah. and OSHA. He suddenly and... becomes a stuntman now in this scene, yeah. which is just, like, he had no training for. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no safety classes were no. taken. It's just like, get that guy sweeping the broom to be the stuntman. Ah, we need him. And later on, when he's, like, turning on all the lights and stuff, I just kept cringing. I'm like, that's not a... Oh, no. <laughs> you oh, just broke so many union rules. That's so against union... <laughs> you, you cannot touch anybody else's stuff in anybody else's department because you will get sued. Oh, yeah. So, post-PAs are not allowed to touch the computers in uh, on a union show. This is a problem with advancement in particular because then they have to go and get their days... Your, their union days, they can't use their PA days to 
get an assistant editor to be an assistant editor because because otherwise studios would have assist or PAs taking assistant editor jobs essentially yeah not, because and paying they paying them to, as PAs yes so you have to have that but it also hurts the lower levels if you don't have a way of creating a type of mentorship or bringing a, a PA on like a lot of people have suggested bringing a PA on as an apprenticeship because the apprentice yeah, editor is like a night AE. Yes. That's how Hollywood works nowadays. There's yeah. lots of messes. It's paperwork. Paperwork, union reps. Anyway, yeah, Don becomes a stunt man and then until he gets really promoted to be an actor with with Lena. Yep. By I, the producer. Yeah, that's his flashback of how he became who he is today and how they met. Yes. And, you know, it's a silent film. Everybody loves the glamour. Pointing out now, throughout this entire thing, Lena has not said a word. Because they won't let her. Because they won't let her. <laughs> Which sounds so bad, but in the movie, they I don't know why they do it well, or it doesn't come off as somewhat offensive. Because I think in the movie, the, the way they play it is just that Gene Kelly's kind of telling the story right now. Yeah. So it's not weird that she's not talking because not many other people are talking as well. Yes. Even when she does start talking and even when they are playing off of the joke of him talking over her, speaking for her or something, it doesn't come off as offensive. No. And I'm wondering why that is. Mm. Is it just because you're like, she's got a terrible accent when you when you first hear her? Personally, I liked her accent, but that just might be because I'm a Harley Quinn fan. <laughs> I am biased in that regard. I am just, I'm wondering why. I don't know, because it seemed like Lena was there. She was very well-respected and well-paid for being an actress. She'd worked her way up. She just couldn't talk. Couldn't talk. And, you know, they didn't need her to talk until that point. Yeah. I mean, this actually did happen. This yes. Is a lot of... People of, lost their jobs. Yes. Which is terrible. It is terrible to think of somebody losing their job over something as trivializing as their voice. Okay, yeah. Don reiterates to Lena, there's nothing between us. Nothing. Because she thinks there is. She's buying into the papers too much. The tabloids. Yeah. She's reading her, her uh, what are they called? The fan magazines? Or what, yeah, but what was the one in the 90s called that had all the, the photoshopped paste making of all of the guys on the purple and pink cover? Like Bop? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so after the show, the boys get a flat tire and then there's this huge like fan. All of a sudden, there's just fans everywhere just ravaging them. And he escapes by climbing on top of the... Um, the trolley car, which good thing he had stuntman experience because he jumped into a moving car. Yeah. Which I was like, he dead. <laughs> he dead. Because she crashed her car into the trolley. Mm-hmm. And whose car is it? Debbie Reynolds. Debbie Reynolds' car. Kathy. Kathy. This made me want to watch um the last five years. Why? Because the character's name is Kathy. I know, but that movie is terrible. Yeah, we're going to watch it. Ugh. Kathy doesn't really like movies. She says movies aren't acting. They're just like, huh, huh, emoting, you know, because she's a theater actress. Which, again, is something that literally was discussed at the time. Yeah, and I feel like still today of, you know, there's a difference between theater acting and, and movie acting. Oh, there's a huge difference. Yeah. 
But even though and sometimes there's a different respect level, too, because, you know, those movie actors, their performances are edited together. The theater people, they got to go for those two hours, three hours. Well, I think it does say something about theater actors who do transition well into movie acting. Mm-hmm. Because it is, it's something that's really hard for theater people, I guess, to understand that they're going to be edited sometimes. Yeah. Like... I, uh, was it Barbara Streisand talks about like the transition was really hard for her because she didn't understand the idea of doing takes. Mm-hmm. So we talked about that during Funny Girl where they would want her to do another take and she's like, no, I'm not singing again because I already did it. Like, yeah. why do we need to do it again? So, yeah, there you have a talk. And OK, so this is like the spark. This is the meet cute spark between Don and Kathy and he's insulted that she doesn't think the world of him because you know he's a bit egotistical he's got all these fans chasing him he's Gene Kelly he's Gene Kelly (laughs) um so he's 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 digging her he's digging the whole like she's not into me thing you know as men do yeah (laughs) they're like oh my god a woman doesn't like me I must I must try and get her to like me. Oh, my God. A woman doesn't like me, Justine. Yeah. He's, yeah. <laughs> Soon after this, he spends three weeks pondering this statement. <laughs> so Three um, weeks. He goes to this party. Everybody's there. And they show a movie, but it's a talking movie. It's a talking picture. And they're like, this is gross. This is, ugh. This is a gimmick. Vulgar. They think, ugh. Nobody's going to want to see somebody talking on a screen. It's just horrendous who would ugh, ugh, that's that's what they say i love that everyone uses that as an excuse to say that 3d isn't a gimmick 3d is a gimmick i know but when they first started camp coming out everybody's like no it's just a way to progress the art form and it's just like when they introduced uh sound to movies because they thought talking pictures was going to be a gimmick and nobody was going to want to watch them after, you know, the first few. Mm. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where is 3D now? Mm-mm. It did. <laughs> it's not dead. It's just relegated to, like, Transformers. I it don't know. did. Yeah, there was that one year when, like, everything mm-hmm. got... Um, what are Up-res they? to 3D. Yeah, converted. What do they call that conversion? I don't remember. It's something dual, blah, 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 uh, blah, blah. Stereoscopic yeah. conversion. Boom! <laughs> we nerds. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know who also is at this party? Kathy, she jumps out of a cake. Oh my God, I loved that moment. Performs in the floor show with the, the Coconut Grove girls, which the Coconut Grove is a real Hollywood place. So the Coconut Grove was preserved in the Ambassador Hotel. Should we do a field trip there? We should. When they were doing like the the war bonds at the Coconut Grove, like wasn't like everybody kissing everybody and spreading diseases that way just because the girls were required to like kiss all the soldiers? Yes. yes. <laughs> Gross. Cooties. Mm. Okay, so Kathy's there. Dawn is like, yes, this chick. I'm going to harass her more. Pretty much. Yeah. And she's just like, hey. I know I said some stuff. I'm going to leave because this is embarrassing. And he's just like, no, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me how I'm not a real actor, huh? 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 
Tell me how you're above me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so she goes to like pie him in the face with the cake, but misses and hits uh, Lena, who gets very upset. Very upset to the point that she has her fired. Yeah. Lena's a diva. And Kathy just runs out of there. Okay, so three weeks later on the lot, like I said, he's still like, Kathy, Kathy, can't get her out of my head. Kathy. Kathy. She got me shook. (laughs) She did. She shook me all night long. He is. He is what they would say. He is shook because he's like, am I a real actor? This one chick. Self-reflection time. (laughs) Cosmo is like, you're great. Let me cheer you up. And he doesn't make him laugh. Mm-hmm. Which everybody knows. Everybody make loves. Make him laugh. Make him laugh. So then uh, Don and Lena are acting. They're acting in this, um, what is it? The Cavaliers. What is it? The Dueling. The Dueling Cavaliers. The Dueling Cavaliers. They're like in this Marie Antoinette garb. French Revolution. Yeah. I was, I was so... <laughs> so during the movie, I'm like... They're making a, a musical about the French Revolution, Justine. <laughs> Justine. Hmm. Are they making Les Mis? Mm-hmm. But are they really? Are they making Cousin Pep? <laughs> oh, dear God. I forgot about Cousin Pep. <laughs> <laughs> I've pushed that out of my memory. <laughs> so, no, it's not a musical yet. Because they're still doing their talking and he talks about how much he hates her. Like as they're acting, as the camera's rolling. Oh my god, I loved that. Yeah, that was a great scene. That was top notch. That was beautiful acting. Mm -hmm. Because you had to act through your verbiage. Like Mm -hmm. what you're actually saying. Like normally when people do that, it's the the southern southern bail. Mm -hmm. Like, thank you is... Normally, the you're passive aggressive, but they weren't passive aggressive in their body language at all. No, he's like, I hate you so much. Let me kiss you. I hate you. I hate you. I want you to die. Yes, go kill yourself. Fuck you. <laughs> okay, so the producer comes in and he's like, Shut everything down. It's talking pictures now. We've got problems. Problem. Shut it all down. But then we get our montage. Our great montage edited by Mr. Montage himself. Yep. It was it good. Was, it was great. I loved it. I was like, that is a fan. I would. I loved the roto work. Mm-hmm. I, wanna, I want to rip off that montage. That was a beautiful montage. Yeah, I need to study that. Yep. You do. And then there's this whole like rise of the musicals, or at least implied that because the sound Yes, there was a rise of musicals. The Busby Berkeley, you know, 1930, mm-hmm. Follies, like all those. Rise of musicals because we've got sound. We've got to give them a big show. When they could record those shows. Mm-hmm. And also being comparable and or trying to be better than theater. Yes. Though not much competes with musical theater these theater. days. These days. I, I mean, when you, when they bring the musical into the movie form they don't they don't do a really good job of adapting to a movie yeah aspect i mean and i th- I, th- I was saying this to peter and um uh a film roast for me it really comes down to what you've seen first like i've seen west side story the movie and i haven't seen it done mm-hmm. at theater 
but I've seen Rent done in theater, and I hate the movie. But there's also that whole, like, I have never seen the last five years done on stage, but I thought the movie was terrible. Yeah, yeah, Melody said that they ruined it because they completely changed, like, the whole gimmick of it. Uh Uh-huh. But it's, again, bringing something new and different that only film can do Mm -hmm. to the aspects of the musical that are great. Yeah, like Chicago did it. Yes. But but then you have instances where, like, Rent is... That's the only version that I've seen. Mm -hmm. I appreciated the fact that it was the original cast. The big thing that was really confusing is Rent is supposed to be about young people. Uh Uh-huh. Because they did it with the original cast. They old. They were... Well, 10 years past when they should have been playing these characters. Yep. But you could also go the reverse way where, like, they took the movie Waitress and made it into a movie. A musical. Or a musical. Yeah. They, yeah, they've been doing that a lot lately. Well, like, Anastasia mm-hmm. is now, instead of being an animated movie, it is now going to be a Broadway play. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating to me. It's a movie musical turning into a theater production. So I want to know what the reverse is like. Because I love Anastasia. I mean, they did that with Beauty and the Beast. That's true. Also, Into the Woods is terrible. The end. Um. <laughs> well, it's it's com- when you commercialize it. Yeah, sorry. When you don't give the filmmaker the free range to do what they may want to do or have the freedom to kind of take the source material and then push it further. Because that was Disney. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Pine was an amazing choice. Hey, hey. You know, singing in the rain. Mm-hmm. We're going back. Kathy's in this musical number, and she's the director's noticing her and keep pushing her towards the front. Yes. And the producer's like, I like her. Who's that? And he's, he's like, yeah, I was thinking of uh, casting her in some some bigger roles. You know, she's she's pretty talented. I, f- I featured her when I was, you know, that director when I was a nightclub director. Yeah. She good. She good. Well, Cosmo's there, and he sees her, and he goes to get Don. And then Don's like, Kathy! And then Kathy's like, great, okay, well, this is who I am, see you later, bye. And they're like, no, 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 we totally want to hire you, we don't really care what Lena thinks, yay! Da-da-da! So um, then Don and Kathy go for a walk, they're talking, they've been thinking about each other. Mm-hmm. They and have. Yeah, he's like, I want to tell you something, but I gotta, gotta set the right stage. Okay, so I think this scene was recreated in Bewitched. The, the movie. Oh, I haven't seen Bewitched the movie. Oh my god, okay. So, she's a witch. She's and a she witch. enchants him to, like, profess her love to him. Nicole Kidman to Will Ferrell. Yeah. Which is weird. Yeah. It's just weird, okay? We're just gonna breeze past that. And they they do. They set up a stage, like, because they're, they're actors. They're supposed to be actors recreating the the, the show. Right. So they have this scene where they're, she's on the ladder and they're singing and, oh. and all that stuff. So again, singing in the rain is like a staple. Did they pay homage? And did you like it? They paid homage. They paid homage. It was definitely homage. It wasn't, it was. But it was like an homage, like wink. It was a wink at it. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't a straight recreation. They were already on a soundstage and she bewitched him. Yeah. So it was a magical instance mm-hmm. of turning Will Ferrell into Gene Kelly essentially. Yeah. So I and I liked it. I liked that aspect of Bewitched the movie. Mm. There are other things that I have problems with, but <laughs> but it was a beautiful number. Mm-hmm. 
beautifully choreographed by Gene Kelly. You were meant for me, me. and I was meant for you. But then uh, we start with our diction lessons. Yes. Lena's got a diction coat and so coach, and uh, so does Don. The Cosmo shows up, and they do their Moses supposes. Moses supposes. Supposes. <laughs> shows. I can never say it, because I always get my Ozeses mm-hmm. all jumbled together, so... Um, then we've got some great scenes, uh, recording with the microphone or, um, there's literally, okay, guys, I don't know if you know this, but the, the microphone in a plant is is a thing. It's literally called a plant microphone. Yes. Like it is literally that's, that's a thing. It's a plant mic (laughs) because they would do this. They put, they'd hide them in rocks. Mm -hmm. They'd hide them in plants. Yeah. But it's just called a plant microphone. Yeah. And it's just like any sort of microphone that you can hide, uh, on set. Yeah. That's near the actor, especially if it's a wide shot and you can't get the boom in there, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, this was before they even had the boom. Yeah. But still, like, it is used today in similar fashion. Yeah. Amazing. Is it not? It is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. It's a, it's, a, it's a plant. Sorry. Also, the way that they hid the mic on her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how they... And, and the fact that they used the term, we're, um, we're wiring you for, for yeah. sound. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, they really say that. They still say that. That they wire you. Yeah, they wire you. Because back then you were literally attached to a wire. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. We're going to get you wired. Because that's like, send the actors to go get wired. That's the term that is still used. Mm -hmm. I'm like, a hundred years later, almost. Almost. (laughs) Getting there. (laughs) Yeah, the, the, the little nuggets of history that yeah. they added in this was just so great yeah i love the scene with the microphone Oops, sorry <laughs> there it is <laughs> how appropriate yep um because if we're trying okay we love this i love the scene with the microphone because i'm always having to tell people to talk into their microphones <laughs> because you get what they have shown there where it's like if you talk away from the microphone here we are and then i'm over here now this podcast <laughs> The microphone's planted down, but I'm moving my head all around. My head moves. <laughs> it goes places. Is the microphone still picking me up? Yep. Up here. So that's just why when I like see people on panels, I just start cringing when they're not talking into their microphones. <laughs> okay, so that's, I think, a super fun part of the movie. So then they do previews. Do you want to talk about what previews are? Because that's a real thing. So previews don't always happen in every movie no but most of the time people set up uh, aside a little bit of money in the budget so that they can rent out a theater host a uh, focus group and watch the movie it's not specifically locked down yet final vfx haven't been done final color hasn't been done it's just to get uh, an audience eyes on the story and see how it goes yeah and make sure all those beats land yes it's to see if they need to do reshoots or if they need to do some more massaging or what people's general consensus of the movie is yeah so pretty much by the time a movie gets to you the general audience when you laugh at a joke they know that you're going to laugh at that specific point and they want you to yes not a little later not a little earlier at the exact point that you laughed at yes it's science. It's it's it is, and I've been in 
one where uh, we as a crew got to sit and listen to the focus group so you kind of have to realize that constructive criticism is always great criticism and anytime somebody hates your movie that is something that you uh, that is an emotion that you have elicited so you still need to take that into consideration but if the general consensus is hey we really like this character we really like this movie you might only need to do minor edits and then you're ready to get to go some movies like suicide squad had trailers this was even before they had done previews the trailer came out everybody loved the trailer there was such this big hype over this trailer but the movie was not in line with what that trailer portrayed which is why i get irritated with trailers first of all because sometimes they are presenting a product that doesn't actually exist so warner brothers was like well fuck (laughs) so they went back and they did a about a month's worth worth of reshoots, if I remember correctly. They added a whole, maybe it wasn't a month, maybe it was a whole other two weeks, which feels like another month, mm-hmm. of new dailies to add, make the, the movie funnier and to be more like that trailer. Then they even had the trailer house that cut that trailer take a pass at the movie, which is unheard of. And that is why it is a movie that is so disjointed and doesn't actually have a flow. So there are positives that can come out of these screenings, but there are intense negatives. Yeah. People who have worked in the industry a while have honed instincts to what's going to work. So don't, I mean, just keep listening to those instincts, I guess, too. So I've been asked this question before, and it it is terrifying as the assistant editor because you you have to understand the politics of the room. But if your editor and your director bring you in, make you watch a cut of something, you better have your opinion, but then also have the reasoning behind your mm-hmm. opinion. Because that's what, that's what the focus groups aren't going to give you. They aren't going to ask that question of, well, why does it make you feel that way? Yeah. So you as the assistant can kind of take initiative and say to your editor or to your director, if they ask... Yeah. Only if they ask, if you're the assistant. If you're the editor, you have a little bit more leeway to, like, to talk to the director that way. Not so much director, editor, producer in the same room. It should be the director talking to the producer. There's a whole hierarchy of the room where it happens, okay? So... <laughs> Peter's going to love this. I'm picturing <laughs> Peter right now being like, yes! <laughs> yes! But you need to have the reason behind that. So, like, for example, when I was asked that question, I had only seen the cut happen one way before, and it was more from the actress's point of view. So the actor that they had, the way that they had cut in the takes, felt very one note and felt like he wasn't actually participating in the scene. It it became solely her scene. It was a breakup scene. And it became solely her scene rather than Mm. a scene that was being felt together where these emotions... She didn't really want to break up with him, and he was blindsided. So you wanted to feel those emotions. Was it a a long, continuous take on one of them? No. Mm. It was interesting the way that it was cut, because it was in a flashback. So it's trying to make the main actress reflect on the fact the way that she's making her choices isn't necessarily rooted. Mm -hmm. It's rooted in fear rather than actual emotion. Mm -hmm. So is she remembering it with that touch of fragileness to it yes Mm -hmm. so and that's what i liked i liked that he was a bit more overpowering in the scene because 
that's how you would remember it. So I liked that they added him to be more frantic and making him a bit more involved in the scene. It's hard to do, and it's hard to kind of have that answer right away. You need a little chance to breathe and take it in. Like, that's the best advice I could give assistant editors is have a reason Mm -hmm. for every opinion that you have. If they ask for it, give it. And if they don't ask for your opinion, then you keep your mouth shut. Yeah. You're welcome, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) So at these previews, everything is terrible because they are just terrible at microphone technology. Not like us. We're great at it. I mean, we're okay. I mean, uh, my microphone now has an on and off switch that apparently I turned on and off and didn't realize it. It was fun, guys. Um, so the microphone's picking up everything or it's picking up the wrong things. It goes out of sync. So the audience is laughing. It's terrible. It's a terrible preview. Don is just sad. And so they're talking at his house with um, Kathy and Cosmo. And Kathy and Cosmo are like, make it a musical. Always make it a musical. Yep. And then they sing Good Morning. It's great. Good morning. Good, Good morning. morning. Such a happy day. Good but morning. then Don's like, but Lena can't sing. Sad faces. <laughs> but Cosmo's like, duh, let's dub her. No one knew what dubbing was yet, though. <laughs> yeah. I love the way that they explained it, though. Yeah. So dubbing is where you take someone else's voice and put it over an actor. Yeah, and I mean, it could even be their own voices it, with ADR. But ADR is different than dubbing. Yes. ADR, which is automated dialogue replacement. Dubbing, yeah. Like in... You've seen Sound in, of Music. Yeah. You've seen all those, like, even the, the foreign films dubbing over subtitles, yes. you know. But yeah, he's like, dubbing with Kathy's voice. And they're like, that's a great idea. Let's not tell Lena because she's crazy. <laughs> if she finds out, she'll murder you. Yeah. <laughs> Gee, Kathy, don't tell Lena. Stay away, Lena. She'll axe murder your face. <laughs> she's crazy. I envision, now I just envision that Lena did become Harley Quinn because of this movie. Mm. She did just run off at the she end. She did. You don't know what happened to her. She went crazy. She went crazy. She went cuckoo for coconuts. <laughs> and that's how serial killers are born, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so Don drops off Kathy, and then we got singing in, in the, the rain. rain. Just singing in, in the, the rain. rain. They pitch the idea to the producer. It happens. It's recording. It prints. And then we got this Broadway melody thing, which uh, is long. Uh, it's very long. Yeah. Seriously, the producer's like, you know, Gene, <laughs> I really liked an American in Paris. Let's do that. Do that again. Let's do that. Just do this whole number that has nothing to do with anything in this movie. Well, he was explaining. So it was a fantasy sequence where he was explaining to the producer that they only had one more number to film and this is what it was going to be about. Yeah. It's uh, the modern day. La La Land? <laughs> It color wise, it was La La Land. It okay, it was pretty much La La Land. I have not. Again, I preface this: I have not seen La La Land, and I know how much La La Land ripped this fucking movie off. It was the life cycle of a young ingenue coming to Broadway. What? <laughs> but he was a nerd. He was a nerd. He was a big nerd, and he wasn't an ingenue because that's a lady part. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> lady part. Not like a part of her body. It's just like that's what ladies are called. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there's some more dubbing. And then when in the dubbing session, Gene Kelly, Dawn's like, I love you, Kathy. In front of everybody. And then Lena shows up with Rita Moreno. Hey. It's like, you bastard. That's not what she said, but. Hmm. <laughs> you jerk. You come in here and you take my voice away. What are you thinking about that? Donnie? 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 Nobody calls you Donnie but me. <laughs> I'm freaking out. <laughs> so the next day or whatever, sometime very soon after, she has published to the papers that she is the great singer of the movie so that they can't promote Kathy because then there would be like some sort of publicity turmoil, which you don't want. You don't want that to overshadow a film. Yeah, dogs promise. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so, yeah, Lena's like, you got to do this or I will sue you because of all this contracty bullshit. Because I had my lawyer read my contract. Mm-hmm. I should just talk like this all the time. I might have to dub you. No. I don't think you can dub in podcasting. <laughs> but I can edit you out. Oh. Oh. I wouldn't do that. I like panda. your voice. I like it. We're getting towards the end of the movie here because they have the, the film premiere. The grand film premiere at the it, Chinese theater. And it goes great. It goes wonderful. Everybody loves it. They love Don and Lena. Don and Lena love it. Speech, speech. So they're like, let her talk. Let the bitch talk. They, well, because she doesn't, she's mad and she doesn't want anybody speaking for her anymore. She's a bit egocentric. She doesn't know what's best for herself. What actors do? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love actors. Actors pay me my pay my bills. So thank yeah. you. I appreciate your beautifulness. First, she's like, "Thank you so much." Do it. Thank you so much for your loving of my picture. And the audience is like, "That doesn't sound like the voice we just heard." Come on, Lena, baby, sing. <laughs> Show those games. <laughs> <laughs> sing for us, Lena. The music of the <laughs> night. <laughs> when did she become the Phantom of the Opera? When people demanded she sing a song. I got there. <laughs> you totally went there, honey. <laughs> so Lena's like, what do I do? What do I do? And the guys are like, hey, hey, we got Kathy here. We'll just do the same thing. Kathy will be backstage. You'll be in front. Just lip sync. You know, she'll do it. Kathy, baby, go sing. And but Kathy at this point chooses to be super upset, like, I won't do this. I'll never speak to you again, Don somebody. Well, why didn't they okay, why didn't they let her in on the idea? I don't know, because they're they're tricksters. Because they're men? Because they're men. Okay. Let the men deal with it. Just do what we say. Just do what we say. The men the men know what's up. This is up. very handmaid's tale right now, okay guys? Go out there, little ladies. Sing. Sing. See? Sing for me. See? Phantom. <laughs> See? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of another movie musical adaptation that was terrible. Phantom? Yeah. Yes. Oh, my God. Why, why Jared Butler, though? Why? Because we got to sing in the Scottish accent. The music of the night. <laughs> Sounded a bit Austrian. <laughs> Have you heard Jared Butler? Close your eyes and dream. 
Where you want to be? <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, you're right. <laughs> anyway, so they sing, singing in the rain. Yeah, and so the guys all pull back the curtain, and it's revealed. Kathy is the singer. Kathy's the singer. And uh, Lena, this is where Lena goes goes straight to the Joker's loving arms. <laughs> yeah, she. I would think she, she broke from this. That's sad. Yeah. That's sad that she's now running around Gotham City <laughs> in a leotard. <laughs> it's okay, Lena, baby. I love you. Kisses. Singing in the rain. <laughs> Just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling. I can't stand him. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so happy it was exaggerated that that's not her real voice. I'd feel so bad, okay? No, she actually did her real voice for all the dubbing. That was her real voice. The the di- the deep, sultry voice. That's her real voice. Oh, yeah, they know. But that, like, she exag- like that's how yeah. good of an actress she is. Yeah, she, was she able- won the award, right? She was nominated. She was nominated. So- nominated. 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 Yeah. Kathy's also upset. She runs away, and Don's like, stop that girl! You're my lucky star. I don't know, something he sings. <laughs> You're my beautiful baby girl. And then they sing together, and then they, uh... Singing in the rain. Yep. Just singing in the rain. They smooch in front of her. It's, it's over. It's done. They're, it's together. Done. They're together. Now, what happened to Cosmo? He got a raise at the Pixie Place. Oh, that's right. He's the new music uh, supervisor music and he's su- like composer. a scriptwriter and stuff now. Yeah. He's making money. He's probably making shit tons off of those residuals. Mm-hmm. Good old Cosmo. Let's do the dramatic read with the uh, the dictation coach. Okay. We'll both have accents. Okay. I'll be... Phoebe Dinsmore, the dictation coach, who talks like this, with round syllables and tones. Round tones. Yep. And you'll be Miss Lena. Lena Lamont. Lena Lamont. That's me. That's me. (laughs) From New Jersey. (laughs) (laughs) Repeat after me. ta te ti to tu ta ti Tie, toe, two. No, 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 Miss Lamont. Round tones, round tones. Now let me hear you read your line. And I can't stand him. And I can't stand him. And I can't stand him. Can't? Can't. 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 And see. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. You can hire us anytime, Hollywood. Yeah, if you ever want me to be Harley Quinn, I will take that. I will take, like, such a pay cut to play Harley. <laughs> you don't even know. It's good to be back, huh? That's good. That's good. You Are you ready to rate this movie? Indeed, I am. So, I'm going to rate this movie... 4.75. I deeply love this movie for a whole host of other personal reasons, but I I love the way that they integrated all of the history and letting the the actors act. It, it was just a tad bit too long. Yeah. 
which I think we've had that we have that general consensus with Gene Kelly's movies is they're just a tad too long. Yeah. This podcast is a tad too long. <laughs> it is. We're sorry. <laughs> I'm going to give this movie 4.75 flapper dresses. Ooh. I can't stand them. I can't stand them. Um similarly, I'm going to give this uh movie four uh spider woman dresses <laughs> oh nice yes i love that did you the, the, the woman in the beginning yeah. yes yes <laughs> no totally with the hat and everything yeah, the feathers and then yeah. there's like the spider webbing she looked like of a dress um she looked like maleficent yeah she seemed to like kind of out of place like she was in the wrong movie but i loved her yeah she was great her <laughs> husband looked like hugh laurie <laughs> well that's great indeed we talked a lot we talked about La La Land. We talked about Guardians of the Galaxy. We talked about Singing in the Rain. We talked about how not to rip off movies. Mm-hmm. You just have to have a nugget of newness. Mm-hmm. You can right. love and appreciate things. Just add your own spin. Yeah. Give add it, why you love them. Give it your story. <gasps> Who mm. tells your story? <laughs> Who lives? Who dies? Who, Who tells, tells your story? Okay, so guys, uh, our next episode, we're going to give you our lost episode. <gasps> the lost episode. Um, it might not be good. <laughs> we were very sad. Yeah. So we wanted to do this one when we're feeling better instead of coming back to, I don't know. I don't know how to explain this, but we are kind of depressed in this uh, in this lost episode. But we, but we love you guys. And so we're still going to release it. <laughs> we're still going to release it and you're going to understand. <laughs> It's 1999's uh, Runaway Bride. It's still, you know, important to the canon. Yeah, we recorded it two months ago. On uh, March. Early March. March. But we love you. And you love us too, right? So you're going to hug us. Yeah. <laughs> Don't feel so bad because that's Justine and Ashley from the past. Yeah. And uh, please enjoy that episode. And then shortly after that, we'll be coming back with new episodes. When we'll be getting ready to celebrate our two-year anniversary. That's right. Is it podiversary? Uh, <laughs> well, thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, as usual, our website is thecutaways.com, and you can find us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram as at Cutaways Podcast. Please give us a shout. We love it. Send us your gifts. Yeah. Your cookies. Your love. Yeah. Uh, you can leave us comments and rate us and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or why did they change it? <laughs> Anywhere you bugs listen to podcasts. Me. Yeah. It bugs me. Apple Podcasts just sounds so mouth bleh. mouthful. It doesn't give a good mouth feel. No, it's it's it doesn't go off at the tip of the tongue. Tip of the tongue. iTunes, iTunes. <laughs> Thanks for, again, all of your love on the internets. I love it. I love it. it. It's personally helped me through some shit. <laughs> That's good. I haven't been paying much attention until this past week, so thank yeah. you. I'm sorry. Thank you for joining us in our blanket fort. Boop, 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 boop. Bye! Welcome to Film Roast. Hey everyone, Hannah here, the co-host of Film Roast, where two over-caffeinated and underqualified friends talk about all things movies. If you like film factoids, lots of sarcasm, and bad impressions, check us out on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Film Roast Show, and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash filmroast. Happy roasting!